Well, hey, good morning, everyone. How are we? You better be doing pretty well. All that sunshine the past couple of days. Uh, this, this one keeps sinking. This one's not going to work for me. Um, you know, God's interesting with Seattle because like for like the last four or five months, it's like gray and rainy and then all of a sudden God's like sunburn, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, all right. I'm not complaining though. It was amazing, um, but definitely got sunburned. Um, but it's so good to be with all of you today here. Uh, my name is Ryan. For those that are new or visiting, I'm the lead pastor here at Arbor, and we are in the middle of a series that we are calling Emotionally Healthy Relationships. That's what we're going after here, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And what this series proposes is that spiritual maturity and emotional maturity and health go hand in hand. That spiritual maturity and emotional health are inseparable. That you can't grow as a follower of Jesus Christ and remain emotionally unhealthy and have a life full of emotionally unhealthy relationships. And so essentially, what we're doing in this series is we're trying to get as practical as possible and go after being a people who are better at loving God and and loving others. We saw this last week uh, that Jesus said that all the law and all the prophets uh, rest on these two commandments, that we would love our God with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind, and that we would love our neighbors as ourselves. And so over the last few weeks, we've learned some skills that, that help us do this. And a couple of weeks ago, we learned this skill called stop mind reading, This idea that we are to stop making assumptions about why other people do what they do, why other people say what they say, that we are to stop making up stories about other people and their intentions and their motivations and instead sit down with that person and have an in-person, adult, clarifying conversation. Remember, being an adult's hard. It's hard work. Last week, we learned that in order to be emotionally healthy and have emotionally healthy relationships, we need to clarify expectations, and we learned what a valid expectation was. Does anyone remember what a valid expectation was? None of you. That's so so depressing. It was just last week. Come on. A valid expectation needs to be conscious, realistic, spoken, and agreed upon. That's what that needs to be. That's what a valid expectation is. Did any of you have any sort of clarifying conversations around expectations last week with a friend or with your spouse? Couple hands. How did that go? Good? Bad? I see the look in some of your eyes. You're like, no, that was not not good. We need that teaching on fight cleanly like yesterday. Um, That's coming. Uh, Not today, though. Not today. Uh, Today, today's teaching is titled Become Self-Aware. Become Self-Aware. And so today, instead of dealing with our exterior world of relationships, we are going to turn our attention to our interior world and what's going on inside of us in our own hearts. We're going to learn about becoming self-aware. And if that sounds weird to you and you're like, man, you have already lost me. I do not want to go there. Listen, here's what being self-aware means. In this conversation, being self-aware means knowing and understanding your emotions and motivations. Knowing and understanding your emotions and motivations. And some of you are still like, nope, I'm good. (laughs) Not for me. Don't want to go there. I get that. Listen, just give this a chance because this right here, uh, again, is some really important stuff. 
It's, it's really important, it's a really important concept for our own spiritual growth, for our own spiritual maturity, and for the spiritual health and the emotional health of our community. Because I wanna let you in on a little secret here at the very beginning, is that okay? It's this idea that, listen, um, we all don't experience emotions in the same way, and we're not all motivated by the same thing. Did you know that? <laughs> it's true. It's, it's, it's true. And, and here's another secret. Um, we all experience emotions. We, we all experience emotions. I, I don't care if, if you don't like emotions or if you're like, no, I'm not an emotional person. Listen, we are all emotional people. We're emotional people and we have emotions, but we experience them differently. And, and listen, more importantly, uh, we grew up and learned how to deal with and handle and process our emotions differently. We all grew up in different environments and learned different ways of handling emotions. For instance, some of you, I bet, grew up in some probably pretty healthy households where your emotions were welcomed and they were invited in and you had parents that were like, yes, let me hear them. And if you were lucky enough, you had wise parents who like guided you through them, how to handle them and deal with them. And if that's you, good for you, okay? Good for you, all right? Because I think for most of us, most of us, we grew up in imperfect households. And maybe some of you grew up in a home that was like absolutely, utterly driven by emotions. A life of chaos where it was just total insanity. And, and any time now, emotions rise up in your own heart or you engage in a relationship and it gets emotional, uh, you find yourself like pushing that away because you're like, no, 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 that just leads to a mess. Others of you probably grew up in a house where, you know, emotions were just like kept away from the house, like a stoic, emotionless place, and anytime they rose up, you try to keep them in their place, which was like as far away from human interaction as possible. We all grew up in these different environments. I remember at some point in my life growing up and seeing this illustration before. Have you ever seen this before? This little train? <laughs> The, uh, the train here is not just any train, it's a special train. <laughs> and it's a train that helps us understand the difference between uh, facts and faith and feelings. And in this little illustration, facts or objective truths from the Bible are, are the engine. And according to the picture, this is what should be driving our lives. And then comes faith, because faith is not led by our feelings, it should be led by these facts, facts from the Bible or whatever. And then finally, pulling up the rear, the uh, caboose of the train, so to speak, are our feelings. And in this cartoon train illustration, our feelings are only valid when they follow a faith that is rooted in facts. Now, listen, I share this illustration with you, not because I think it's entirely wrong per se, I just think it's like an extreme oversimplification of our reality. I think it's an extreme oversimplification of our reality because if I were to sit down with, with, with so many of you and hear your story about how you came to faith in Jesus, how you surrendered your life in relationship to him, uh, the story I would hear, I think would be this deeply emotional story. 
It wouldn't be some story where you, like, you came across some paper with all these objective facts about Jesus and you were like, I'm in. For some of you, maybe that was your story, okay? But I think for, for a lot of us, for a lot of you, uh, it, it was a season of searching and longing and maybe you had come to the end of yourself and, and it, it, it would be this deeply emotional story about how you were eventually confronted with the goodness and the love and the kindness and the truth and the reality of Jesus and, and that's, that's how you came into a relationship with him. That's the most common story I've, I've heard. That's many of our experiences. And, and in all of the nuance and complexity of our lives and our stories, I just, I, I don't think all of that lines up with that nice, tidy, linear picture of that train. And on top of this, I don't think that that train picture accurately conveys what we see in the scriptures, what we see in God's word. Because nowhere in the Bible Nowhere in the Bible does it say that certain emotions are bad and certain emotions are good. No, nowhere in the Bible does it say that, that all emotions are untrustworthy all the time and must be kept at arm's length and we can't trust emotions whatsoever. I, I think what we see in the Bible is that the Bible certainly says that there are emotions and certain emotions are difficult, they're hard, they're unpleasant, while there are other emotions that are good and, and, and pleasant and enjoyable. And as you look at the Bible, I think what we see in the scriptures is that emotions are an essential part of what it means to be a human made in God's image. Emotions are a central part of what it means to be a human made in the image of God. This is because God has gifted us with emotions. He's designed us with emotions, he, and he asks us and he invites us to experience them, to learn from them, and to become self-aware about them. Uh, briefly, in Ecclesiastes 3-4, the, the writer says this, that in our lives, there is a time to weep, there is a time to laugh, there is a time to mourn, there's a time to dance, so there's, there's a time to be happy, there's a time to be sad. There's a time to be angry. There's a time to make a fool of yourself and go on the dance floor at a wedding, you know, and dance. Like there's a time for all of those things in our lives. And, and so it's a good thing to become self-aware. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look at this specific story in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 18. If you have your Bibles, you can open up and turn there right now, 1 Samuel chapter 18. And in this story, we're gonna look at two individuals, kind of like last week, but two individuals. One individual, we'll see, is, is not self-aware of what's going on inside of them. They're not processing the emotions that they're experiencing in their life. And the other person, while not perfect, uh, is far better at, at looking at those emotions and learning from them and hearing from God through those emotions what God's will is and how that person might love others better. And what we'll see in these stories is that these two ways of living uh, can, can lead to vastly different results, vastly different ends. And so 1 Samuel 18, just a little context, this story comes after one of the most like, well-known Bible passages, like maybe you're new to uh, the Bible and this Jesus stuff, but this, this story here in 1 Samuel 18, it comes right after uh, the story when David kills Goliath. 
David, the young shepherd boy, gets the stones, gets the sling, kills this giant Philistine, and everyone celebrates him, and King Saul marvels at his bravery and his faith. And so then we get to 1 Samuel 18, verse 5, and it says this. It says, David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. And as a result, Saul set him over the army, and all the people, even the servants of Saul, approved. And so, so as of this point right here, like everything's good. Uh, Saul is reigning, he's the king, um, and, and he's got it good. And, and David, who was once, you know, off in some field, caring for his sheep, writing his songs, a life of obscurity, he's now been elevated to this position over the army, and anywhere he goes, he's successful. It's all good. The people are celebrating. They're excited. The servants approve. Everything is going well. I mean, look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, As they were coming home, when David returned from killing the Philistine, the woman came out of all the towns of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang songs to one another as they made merry. And this was their song. This was kind of like the number one hit at the time. They, they sang this. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. A pretty good song. I don't know what the melody was. <laughs> that's all we got. That, that's it right there. That's the song. And, and I, we want to applaud them for their creativity, you know, like they're, they're at least trying. But, but I think if we were to like do a little like group session and maybe refine the song a little bit, like we might work on that line just a little bit, that Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Because like Saul's the king and he's the boss. And, and, and so like I just don't, I'm, I'm not sure that it's going to go over well for them with this song here. I mean, look at verse eight. Look at verse eight. Saul was very angry, of course, right? Like naturally. For this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me, they've ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the entire kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day on. So the song goes over like exactly like we thought it would. Like Saul is not a fan. Not, not a fan of this one. Uh, in fact, the, the text specifically calls out what Saul was feeling in the moment, which was what? Anger. anger. He, was, he was feeling anger. And so let's kind of roll with that for a little bit with this anger stuff. Saul was feeling angry. And I think this is a, an emotion that all of us feel to, to some extent, maybe weekly, maybe daily, and, and here's the thing about anger. Remember, there are no good emotions or bad emotions, only like difficult ones and easy ones. And I think most of us would agree that anger is a difficult emotion, right? Most of us don't like feeling angry. I mean, sometimes. But most of us don't like feeling angry. But listen, it's okay to feel anger. Sometimes it's normal. Sometimes it's the right response to your circumstance. Ephesians 4 26 even says, in your anger, do not sin. So, so we see in God's word that it's possible to feel anger and to not sin. Uh, the other thing that we need to know about anger is that anger is, is what we would call a surface emotion, which means that like when we feel angry, there's usually something going on underneath the surface. 
We're usually angry about something. And so when we feel anger, we have to ask ourselves questions. First of all, like, what am I angry about? Name what you're angry about. And then you have to ask, why am I angry? Why am I angry? Invite God into that space. Ask those questions because what you'll find is underneath that anger, you'll find something else going on inside of you. Another emotion like hurt or disappointment or fear. Like for instance, Mother's Day is like two weeks away, okay? And let's just say hypothetically, uh, this is not gonna happen. (laughs) But let's just say hypothetically, I forget to do anything for Carrie. I, I don't get a card, I don't have the kids sign the card, I don't get flowers, I don't get a gift. We don't even acknowledge the day exists. Hypothetical, right? It's never happened, never will happen. Hypothetical. And let's say at the end of the day, um, she's angry. (laughs) Rightly so, right? She's angry. What would be underneath that anger? Hurt? Disappointment? Totally. Let's say hypothetically, uh, one day um, I go to the school to pick up my son and it's the, the same time and the same place and let's say he's not there. Because... He didn't tell his mom or me that he was going to go over to a friend's house instead. And let's say as I'm looking for him, I naturally get angry. That's a right response, okay? Don't tell me it isn't. It's a right (laughs) response, okay? Let's say I get angry. What's underneath that anger? Fear, worry, fear for his concern. That's what's going on underneath the surface. And so listen, up until a certain point, anger is okay. It's a normal response to our circumstances and our situations, and usually underneath that anger, something else is going on. And this is, this is what's happening with Saul. He's feeling this anger. He is angry. As the text says, Saul was angry. He didn't like the song. But what was going on underneath the surface? Do we get any clues? Do we have any sense as to what's going on? We actually do. Look at verse 8 again. It says, Saul was very angry, for the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? And so, what might be under Saul's anger? Pride, worry, jealousy, right? Fear, jealousy, he's insecure. He's jealous because, man, like, I I killed thousands, but now they're saying David killed ten thousands? I'm not even sure that's quite right yet. You know what I mean? Like, you can get your facts straight, and he's, 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 he's afraid, too. He's afraid of what might happen, that, that, that David might take what he believes is rightfully his. And so listen, in order to rightly understand, to rightly process emotions, difficult emotions, we need to be aware of these things. And if we're gonna be aware of these things, we need to have the right tools or a tool to help us get at these emotions. And we're gonna learn that in just a bit. But first, I wanna uh, continue with this Saul story and see how all of this plays out. Uh, just a quick survey of the room. Um, how do you think Saul is gonna go about handling this? In an emotionally healthy way or emotionally unhealthy way? Just a survey of the room. Yeah, I got a lot of thumbs down. All right, let's, let's check this out. Verse 10. Uh, The next day, an evil spirit from God rushed upon Saul. Not a good start. Not a good start at all. Um, Not really going to explain the complexity of that statement either. That's a lot. Um, And he raved within his house. Um, That wasn't like a rave dance party. Like he was angry. Like he was raging and raving. And while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day, 
And Saul had his spear in his hand. And so naturally he threw the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David eluded him not once, but twice. So is that emotionally healthy or unhealthy? Yeah, not, not the most ideal way to handle your anger, okay? That's, that's, like a, that's at least one lesson here, okay? If you learned anything from today, don't throw spears at people when you're angry, all right? You guys were like, kind of took that pretty seriously right there for a second. Like, <laughs> is that a problem? Um, now, okay, hopefully none of you have like closets full of spears that like you're gonna throw at people. Um, but, but listen, we handle and process our anger um, in really unhealthy ways as well. And, and we might not be using like weapons of war to like get other people, but, but, but oftentimes we, we weaponize our words. We weaponize our words. We, we hurt other people. We pin them against the wall, figuratively speaking, with our words. We make them feel less than. We belittle them. We, we cut off our words and, and we shut other people out of our lives. We, we, we have different unhealthy ways we process these difficult emotions. And, and listen, maybe your thing is an anger. Maybe that's not the difficult emotion you're wrestling with right now. Maybe, maybe what you're wrestling with is fear. It's fear and, and you're, you're walking around with this low-grade anxiety all the time and you're just worried about like bad news that's gonna drop and so you, you allow that fear that you won't pr- look at, that you won't process to dictate every facet of your life. You're, you're driven by that or maybe it's, maybe it's not fear, maybe it's, maybe it's hurt. Maybe there's some hurt in your life, maybe it's fairly recently, maybe it's from a few years ago. Maybe it's decades old and, and you've, never, you've never looked at it and processed it and you just have it in your heart buried deep down inside and, and it comes up once in a while unexpectedly or you bring it up once in a while and you just look at it and so much of your life has been built around and revolves around this unprocessed, difficult emotion of, of hurt. And so whatever it is that you are wrestling with here this morning, God invites you to, to look at that thing and to become self-aware about these things, about your emotions that you're experiencing, about your, your motivations. And, and he invites us to look at these things and process these things because ultimately we can't grow spiritually until we do. And not just personally, but as a community as well. And that is essential. Having that emotional health is essential for us to grow as a community that loves God well and loves others as well. We, we, we can't leave these emotions unprocessed. We can't. Here's some, here's some truths about unprocessed emotions. Um, first of all, unprocessed emotions don't just die. They don't just die. Like, like if you just choose to bury them, um, you're burying them alive and they will come back as like emotional zombies. <laughs> they will. They, they don't just die. Again, emotions aren't bad or good. God designed us with them. They're not a part of the fall or the brokenness. He's equipped us with these things. And if we don't acknowledge them, they will come back up like the night of the living dead and they will, they will show up as other emotions. They will show, listen, they'll show up physically through insomnia, uh, through like high blood pressure, through anxiety and panic attacks, bunch of other physical ways. Listen, unprocessed emotions don't just die. Another thing, unprocessed emotions, here's another one, uh, they can leak out onto others. They can leak out onto others. My hurt, my anger, if left unaddressed, can lead to me being short with other people, quick to anger. You know the, the saying, hurt people hurt people? Have you heard that before? 
Yeah, like most of us have heard, it's a cliche, right? It's a, it's a cliche, but it's a, it's a cliche because it's true. Hurt people hurt people. When, when, when we don't process those emotions, they can leak out onto others. Uh, increased defensiveness, quickness to crying in conflict, and listen, even this, sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> sarcasm. I've always hoped and dreamed that sarcasm would be looked at as like a spiritual gift or a love language. Uh, but apparently, um, some of the times, sarcasm is just like uh, a way that we cover up unprocessed, unhealthy, difficult, you know, emotions, apparently. So, so I've got work to do, I guess. Unprocessed emotions can leak onto others. And one more thing, um, unprocessed emotions cover over pleasurable emotions right? Isn't that the worst part about them? Uh, we can try to do everything we can to like cover over those unprocessed, uh, d- difficult emotions, but they usually rise to the top. Like if you have a bottle full of oil and vinegar and you shake it up, what happens at first? They mix up, right? It's like, oh, it's mixed. But then if you set that thing down and let it rest, what happens? It separates. The oil rises to the top and the vinegar sits at the bottom. And so the same thing happens with our unprocessed, difficult emotions. We can try to shake our hearts up and do a bunch of things, and we can try to get a hobby and distract ourselves. We can cover it up with a few drinks. We can stay busy. We can go on a vacation. But when you sit down and you rest and you allow yourself to just be with God, those difficult emotions start to rise to the top. It's why when you put your head on your pillow at night, all of those thoughts come rushing to your mind because you're finally quiet because you're finally not shaking things up. You're finally being still. And so when we refuse to be self-aware about our emotions, this is what happens. And sadly, this is, this is what happens in, in Saul's story. He, he continues to neglect this part of his life, and, and it ends really poorly for him. In 1 Samuel 31, Saul had just continued down this path of unhealth and and not addressing what was going on inside of his heart and the emotions that he was feeling about what God was doing in his life and the decisions he was making. It eventually led to Saul making a really irrational decision to go into this battle with some neighboring uh, nations and that battle led to the death not just of one of his sons, not just two, but, but three of his sons he witnessed die on that battlefield. And at the very end, he took his life. A a tragic, a tragic ending to a pretty tragic life. And a warning to all of us about the importance of growing in self-awareness. And so how how do we become more self-aware? How do we grow in this? How do we grow in this, not just for our own personal thing, but but for, for one another, for our church, for this community? We can start by taking a closer look at the other character in the story, David. Now, David wasn't perfect. We see this in the scriptures, but he was able to do something that Saul was not. He was able to pay attention to and process the emotions that were going on inside of him, and he was able to bring those before God in order that he might love God more and love others. David was pretty good at this. And how do we know that David was pretty good at this? Well, we have a a not-so-little book called the Psalms, okay? And David didn't write all of the Psalms, but he wrote a lot of these Psalms. And, and, and these songs and poems that David wrote to God, what they, what they show us is they show us the heart of a man who was brave enough to go to God with these things. 
He was brave enough to confront these things, to address these things, to learn from these things, to listen to God, and to discern his will regarding these things. And that's our aim, and that's our purpose of doing all this today, to become self-aware of our emotions with the goal of processing them in order to better discern God's will and to better love others. That's the purpose in all of this. And so real quick, what I want us to do right now is I want us to look at Psalm 22. Psalm 22, um, from the looks of it, we can't know beyond a shadow of a doubt, but it looks as though this was a psalm that David wrote in the midst of his conflict with Saul. Again, we don't know 100%, but a lot of scholars think that, that he wrote it during this time. And I'm gonna read a part of it over us right now. And here's what I want you to do as I read this psalm. I, I want you to try to put yourself in David's shoes. And as you do that, I want you to identify some of the emotions that, that he was bringing before God, some of the emotions that he was feeling, that he was calling out. And so keep that in mind as I read this, Psalm 22. He writes this, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I groan in prayer, but help seems so far away. My God, I cry out during the day, but you do not answer. And during the night, my prayers do not let up. They, he's talking about his enemies, open their mouths to devour me like a roaring lion that rips its prey. Verse 14, he writes, my strength drains away like water. All my bones are dislocated. My heart is like wax. It melts away inside of me. The roof of my mouth is as dry as a piece of pottery. My tongue sticks to my gums. You set me in the dust of death. When's the last time you were that honest with God? When's the last time you poured your heart, you poured your emotions out to God like that? When's the last time you wrestled over something you were angry about with God? When's the last time you brought that thing to him and you were like, God, this is unjust. Where are you? Why don't you do something? Well, when's the last time you brought fear before God and you, and you were like, God, this, this thing is terrifying me. I'm so anxious. Would you move? When's the last time you sought God in the midst of that pain and those emotions and the difficult emotions and asked God to enter into your life and be like, God, would you lead me? Would you make me whole? Would you heal me? That's what we see David doing here. And it's so important because, listen, this is where self-awareness begins, this is where it begins. When, when we start being honest with God and, and we humble ourselves before him and remain attentive to him, here's what will happen when we do this. When we do this, the spirit of God will lead us and guide us through the wilderness of those difficult emotions. And like we learned last week, it might take longer than we want it to. But the Spirit of God will lead us through the difficulty, the wilderness of those emotions to a place of greater emotional health and spiritual maturity. You can't bury it, you can't neglect it, you can't deny it, you have to go through it. You have to look at it, you have to address it, you have to bring it before God. It's real, it's there, it's in your heart, it's a thing. And so at the end here, um, I just wanna encourage all of us to find some time to do this. And I'm gonna give you a little skill here to do this. It's actually from the book, Emotionally Healthy Relationships by Pete and Jerry Scazzaro, and they call it Explore the Iceberg, 
Okay, that's what they call it. All right, I know, it's a dumb name. It's kind of silly. Explore the iceberg. Um, but here's what they mean by it. Um, like an iceberg, okay, like an iceberg, what we present to those around us is only 10% of what's really going on. 90% is like beneath the surface. It's inside of us. We don't share it with others. We don't show it to others. And we've got this whole thing going on. Uh, if we do this enough, with other people, uh, we even start to lose awareness of that 90% inside of us. We become unacquainted with ourselves. And so here's what they suggest. They suggest that, that you would take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, two or three times this week and find a quiet spot, maybe the spot typically where in the morning or in the evening or at some point in the day you sit with God, you pray, you read your Bible and invite God into this space Grab a pen, grab a piece of paper, grab a journal, whatever, and, and ask God, ask yourself some questions. And the first question is this, it's real simple. How am I feeling right now? That's it. Ask yourself, how am I feeling right now? Am I angry about anything? Am I feeling anger? Could be something small, maybe it's something really big. What am I sad about? Am I feeling disappointed? Am I feeling loss? What am I anxious about? Maybe it's my future. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's my job, money. What am I worried about? What am I happy about? It doesn't have to be just difficult emotions. Well, what's bringing joy to me right now? Is it a relationship that God's brought along? A job, uh, something else? What am I experiencing joy over? And as you think through those questions, write down what comes to mind. Write it down, anything, everything, and again, practice this with God. Sit with the Lord. Invite him into this process and ask that he would bring things to the surface that maybe you're not even aware of, that you've been feeling, that you've shoved down, that you've neglected to address. And then, and then they invite us to ask this question, to go to God and ask God, what are you trying to show me through these emotions? God, what are you trying to show me through these emotions? Ask him questions. Ask him to help you understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling. God, why am I always so impatient? God, why am I dreading this meeting this afternoon? Or God, why am I always so busy? Why am I always in such a hurry? God, God, why, why do I feel this like compulsion to respond to every text message and every email right when I get it? Or for a lot of you, God, why do I never respond to any text messages or emails? As you sit there and dwell for a moment, then simply ask, you know, God, what are you, what are you trying to show me in this? What are you trying to show me? What are you doing? What do I need to do in response to this? Is there an area of my life that I'm neglecting being obedient in and are you calling me to something? Ask, invite, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to teach me through this right now? And listen, I know this is gonna be new and weird for so many of you, but sit there and listen for God to answer, for him to respond, for him to speak to you. And I know this is different maybe for some of you. It's big stuff though. It takes courage, it takes some bravery just to sit down and find that time and do something like this. It takes courage to sit down with God and ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? I know how difficult that can be. I, I don't like doing it myself personally. 
I, I wrestled through a dark season like seven years ago and had to do stuff like this. And I literally needed a sheet of paper with emotions on it to tell me like, I was like, yep, feeling that one. Nope, yep. Maybe you need to find something like that where you sit down. But we need to do this because if we want to be a people who love God and love others well, if we want to live into a full and healthy life in a full and healthy community, we have to practice this and we have to practice being with God. We have to practice being with God. Pete Scazzaro, in in this book, he writes this here at the end. He says, King Saul was unaware of what was going on inside of him. His doing for God did not flow from his being with God. We see him repeatedly blind to his jealousy, fear, hatred, and anger. Unlike David, we don't observe Saul cultivating his relationship with God and eventually his life choices destroyed him. And so would we be a people like David? Would we be like David, a people who cultivate our relationship with God? Would, would our living and our doing from, for God flow from our being with God? And that starts by taking time and growing in this, our self-awareness of ourselves and what's going on inside of us and bringing that before God. Right. Would you stand with me as I pray? God, um, pray that your spirit would help us. Help us to grow in this, in this skill. Help us to grow in self-awareness. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for our emotions. We're thankful that we can, we can feel happy and, and joyful and excited. Um, we're thankful we can feel hope and peace. Uh, but Lord, so often we don't wanna wrestle with those difficult emotions like anger and fear and worry and frustration. Uh, but God, would you help us do that this week? Uh, would you help us to, to step into this practice and to spend some time and ask ourselves, um, what am I feeling? And God, what are you trying to show me through these emotions? Uh, Lord, I know that it might be uncomfortable for many of us, Lord, but I pray that you would bless us. I pray that you would bless our obedience as we go after something like this and that you would help us to be a church, a people uh, that are um, emotionally healthy so that we would grow in our ability to love you more and um, love others as ourselves. God, that's our desire. Uh, We want to be a a community that embodies this resurrection power of your son, Jesus. And so help us, equip us, mold us, shape us. God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.